Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I am joined with the one, the only, my co-host, Miss Laura Eldridge. <laughs> What's up, y'all? And I am JD, and we're so excited to tackle another topic with you guys this week. Miss Laura, what are we talking about today? Yeah, today we are talking about how to handle grief and loss and all things that happen um, in the heart and in the mind when you've lost somebody. Yeah. And JD, I know that that's actually part of your story. So I would love to just start off by hearing about that. Uh, I know some people know, some people have asked to um, to hear from you to even just help their own struggle with that. But just tell us what happened for those of us who don't know. Yeah, I've talked about bits and pieces at the porch and on different things. But uh my dad was my pastor, a great dad, my best friend, just an amazing father figure. And I was just very fortunate to grow up with a really good dad. And um, out of nowhere, he was healthy. He was vibrant. He was so just hilarious, outgoing. Everyone like, he was the kind of dad that all your friends, like it wasn't worth coming to your house unless your dad and mom were there. Like he, he was like, are your dad going to be there? Like, yeah. <laughs> he like sounds awesome. Wanted, yeah. They wanted to be around my dad more than me um, at times. <laughs> and I loved that. And he was a father to the fatherless. Just, uh, I love honoring him because he was such a good dad. Um, but when I was in college, my sophomore year of college, out of nowhere, uh, my parents were in Africa uh, doing nonprofit work there. And I get a call. That my dad's being flown home. He was really sick. Mm-hmm. I had to pick him up, take him to the doctor. And they thought they were going to do one thing, come out telling me the news, hey, we found a tumor. Mm. And after that, uh, I was actually in Bulgaria. It's a crazy story. I was in Bulgaria um, teaching volleyball through Young Life or like <laughs> something like that. You're and right. Yeah, like crazy stuff. And I get a call from my dad. It was malignant, which just means that it was not just benign. It was not just able to remove the tumor, but it was in um, kind cancer, of his, yeah, yes. his cancer in his system. And so really scary, obviously, um, that happening, you, you always think that's going to never be a part of your story, that C word, cancer. And it's so many people's story. And so uh, through a year of chemo and radiation, uh, seeing my dad's just health fluctuate a lot, uh, some really good weeks, some really hard weeks. Uh, what's amazing through that, he kept preaching, kept sharing the gospel. He started having a Bible study in the chemo center, just like telling anyone, hey, all of us are hooked up and getting pumped. Like, come over here and I'll be reading the Bible. And he would just read the Bible to people and just wow. using his suffering for God's goodness. And um, and then after that, they were like, hey, you're healed. The cancer's all gone. You're in remission. So like, we're celebrating. We go to the beach. We're like talking about our vision to change the world. Like, God is good. And get tattoos wow. on the beach, like <laughs> me and my brother. Um, and I go back to college, start my junior year. And two months in, at the peak of my college career, I get a knock on the door on a Monday night. Me and my co-leaders for this house church I was helping lead were at my pastor's house. Yeah. Knock on the door. My family walks in on a Monday night at my college. I'm like, what the? And low key, I thought I was getting a new car. That's what I thought. <laughs> and they come in. Dad is looking at me. His eyes were glassy. And I knew. I knew what he was there to tell me. And they come in. They take me to the kitchen. All my closest friends are in the living room praying for me. And my dad looks at me and says, hey, I have seven months to live. 
And I just remember in that moment, it's like the war scene in the movies where the grenade goes off mm -hmm. and the person falls over and it's like a loud, that loud. The ringing. Yes. And the, and the yeah, slow the motion. You can kinda, hear. Oh it was like that. And I'm just like, I'm seeing images of like him preaching my funeral or not my funeral, my wedding. Yeah. I'm seeing images of like him being there holding my grand, like his grandkids, like all these things. And it was like gone. And like suddenly fear, anxiety, worry, panic overtook me yeah and like if you've been there you know what i'm talking about and we start to lay it all out and he and it was just so hard and so through that um just that journey of those months together just loving my dad him yeah. loving people and then 10 months actually he so he lived for 10 not seven um august 5th 2015 he died and I could go on and on about all the things that happened in that time and around that. But the point was, is I was not prepared. Yeah. I was not expected. And I don't think anyone can ever truly be prepared to lose someone. Um, there's no guide to death. Yeah. And, and man, anyone that has to, God, I mean, Jesus didn't want death. Mm -hmm. It was never part of the plan. You see Jesus weeping when Lazarus, is dead. You yeah, see him weeping cries, before yep. in John 11 and because he's just like, this was never, people are so hurt by death mm -hmm. and the, I, they were never meant to experience this. There was supposed to always be life. And of course, sin changed that reality. And so, um, man, I have learned a lot from this and I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about others. I've learned a lot about grief. I've learned about God, but I just want to start off by saying I'm in no way a grief expert. I am not a counselor. All I have, I'm, I'm pretty unqualified, I would say, but what I do have is I have my experience. Mm -hmm. I've had now the opportunity to help other people in their experiences, and I have God's word. And God's word has gotten me through this because so much in me is constantly changing, and so many circumstances are constantly changing, and so many hard things are coming, and I've just found that the only thing consistent has been God's Word. Yeah, It has been my rock. It has been my foundation. And the more and more I learn about it, the more and more I have hope. Yeah. And I can see through this. And so I want us to say to you, you know, there's nothing I will say in this, these next few minutes together that will maybe emotionally satisfy or give you some perfect solution to your grief. Um, but I do, I do just want to be vulnerable, share from my experience and share from God's word and what I've learned. Yeah. I want, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I know your story. And every time I hear you talk about your dad, it breaks my heart. Like truly, I think, uh, there is something that we are all just moved by when we hear about loss and grief. And I'm just so sorry for anyone listening who's experienced that. We are so sorry. Yeah. Um, and if, and if you, I want to say like one of the hardest parts of death or going through something really hard is up top and all the adrenaline and the intensity of the moment, everyone's around you and everyone's there for you. And it's so kind, but I know that also their lives move on and they go through their own hard things and you can feel so alone and you can just, you just wish someone would give you the freedom to talk about your grief as if it were day one, even though it's been years and years and years. And I want to say to you, they may have seemed to have moved on, even though they didn't mean to. They may have forgotten, but God has not forgotten you. And God is with you. God is outside of time. Therefore, he, he will never forget. And he is never going to leave you. Um, and he is with you. And I think that it, right now you might be needing to listen to this because God is speaking to you through us, through God's people. He is reminding you, hey, 
I didn't forget. Hey, I'm still with you. I know this is hard, but I am good and you can trust me. I love you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And so I would just say also too, like, man, God has not moved on from your grief. Yeah, that's really good. I do want to talk really quickly because you mentioned God's word. And uh, right now, what I see and what I'm hearing from you is this this guy who has been transformed by God's word, who has been transformed by God's spirit and who's uh, experienced healing. But I do like for the people listening who um, might not be there yet or who might hear you say God's word, God's word, and they're just angry, like okay, you're telling me to trust God, but why did this happen? Mm -hmm. I want to hear some of the like ugly parts of what you went through because I know that (laughs) you didn't always just have that perfect perspective. So tell us just some of the raw and some of the things that you're like, man, I didn't do this well. And I think there was grace for that. Yep. I I love the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son uh, because you get to see the heart of God for those that run away from him. Mm that he is waiting for them to return and that he lets them sometimes, God in his kindness lets us go and experience what we think can satisfy us apart from him so we can go and actually learn our greater need for him. Yeah. That's like that's why it makes wow. him so good. And then he's always there ready to run to us when we run back to him. And that's, that's part of this story. I left my spiritual father because I thought that he took my earthly father Mm. and I was like all right you want to take him I'm gonna take myself and get out of here (laughs) yeah and and I here's what's so crazy is like when you know God you can't like escape him like the Holy Spirit convicts you and like he's in you (laughs) and it's like it's like you can't take that out. Yeah. You can't like, <laughs> so like I knew what I was doing. Like I knew I was just kind of throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, I was like, yeah, God, just... I'm mad at you. And like, that's the, that's what's so cool about God. Before that, I always thought I had to be happy with him and like come with him, like with gratitude and thankfulness. And like, you should, it's a much better life. But to see that God could handle my anger, wow. to see that God could handle my grief, to see that God could, like, I would literally like be in my car, like hitting my steering wheel, like in tears, like screaming at him. Because guys, I, I the night before my dad died, I was holding his hand and I got some time alone with him. I was bawling on him, begging God to do a, a miracle. Like, God, do a miracle, please. Like, let me be the story. I'll tell it for the rest of the world. Tell it to the rest of the world. I'll do whatever you want. Just please, right now, let him sit up. Let something change. And like, my dad couldn't talk back to me. So I was like begging it, begging God. And, you know, I, I was, I was truly, I didn't know what it looked like to have that. I thought I had to have some mystical faith. Yeah. And I was like, something must be wrong with me for God not to be answering this. And what's so, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but because my dad wasn't healed like I thought he should be, mm. um, I ran. I was mad at God. And so for six months, I left my house church that I was leading. I gave it over to someone else to lead. I was barely going to church. Um, I left my community. I, I, I formed a new community of people that were just kind of like, yeah, you can join us. And like, honestly, those people were like, it was like, I think they liked seeing the Christian JD get loose. I started drinking. I started partying. Um, I started cussing more. I started being more vulgar. Uh, and just like 
let go. Yeah, I love what you said that God could handle your anger because if before you felt like you had to be this perfect person all just wrapped up and then something unravels and then you then it's like it begs the question of like what is my relationship with God now and you were just you were like God could handle that. I was able to beat the steering wheel and to mm-hmm. just be real. And that's actually Psalm 62. It says pour your heart out to the Lord. Yeah. And it's it's not saying, "Hey, uh be perfect and uh, keep it all he together. Knows it's there. He knows, he knows it's you. There. So, yeah. like, if you're angry inside, just because you don't, it, if your prayers are looking like God, thank you, still, it's like, yeah, he knows you're raging inside. Yeah. So you might as well just, d- just express what you are. He already knows is in you. And I had never done that. I had never really let myself be real with God in that way. And so I was learning more about Him, even as I was running from Him. Yeah. And I was learning more about myself, and I couldn't deny that I missed God. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't deny that I was like. You're act you're acting mad, but like you miss having a father figure in your life. You miss and what's so cool about God is like I'd heard him described to me as a father. I never accessed him as a father. Wow. I like I like viewed him as God and Lord, but I didn't view him as near and personal and truly like a provider. Like the way I viewed my earthly father. And when that gets stripped from you. I was like, I have nowhere else to go but like, mm-hmm. but to view you as a father. Yeah, and then you were saying before that that had that had impacts, like the way that you viewed God, kind of un like unraveling and crumbling. Uh, that had impacts on the way that you lived, the way that you acted, the way you thought. Yeah, things that you because I was mad at him, and I thought he withheld from me. I withheld myself from him, and yeah. I ran away. And then like there were moments in there though, like I remember one night. This is like. We're going there. Let's go there. Um, I remember one night, my room, I lived with three guys. And so like, I didn't want them to see me this broken and like messed up. And so one night though, I just, it felt like I was crying so hard in my bed that like, it felt like every time I took a breath, someone was punching me in the stomach. So I couldn't like, I couldn't exhale. I just couldn't like catch my breath. So that I knew when I was going to exhale, it was going to be loud. Like I felt this kind of crying that I never really felt before. So I grabbed this like pillow and I like put it over my face and I grabbed a blanket and I like wrapped it around my face so that way I could scream in the middle of the night and like wail. And I don't know if my roommates heard me. I probably should ask them. But like <laughs> I remember those moments and then afterwards being so exhausted and laying there and in the middle of running from God in those broken, broken, I have nothing else. I have like wept until I can't cry anymore. I would hear like, I would feel God's presence. Yeah. Like, you ready? Mm. You ready to come back? Wow. You ready to come back? And I would just, I would deny, deny, deny. And then finally, New Year's Eve 2016, the story resolves. Um, I was bringing in the new year and I saw all these people celebrating the new year. And I was like, I don't want another year of grief. I don't want to go into the new year. I wasn't excited. I had made my girlfriend at the time go drive hours home when she thought she was going to be celebrating with me. I was like, go home. Don't be near me. Pushed everyone out of my house. And I just laid in bed. And that was the night that I cried out to God and um, was angry. I think I was pretty tipsy and uh, was just like, God, I, I've i been running from you and, it, and I, I can't deny anymore that I miss you, mm. but you're going to have to be a father to me. Yeah, And... I'd like to say that ever since then, 
the missing my dad went away, the grief went away, um, but it hasn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would, but that was, that was when though I had to come to reality and go, JD, you've read stories from the Bible. You've gone to church your whole life. You've said these things about God. Do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe that God is the God of the Bible? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe scripture that like Psalm 34 says that God is near to the brokenhearted? Do you believe that? Or do you believe uh, when it says that God will not abandon you and leave you as orphans? Um, Do you believe in Hebrews when it says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses? Uh, Like I had to ask myself, like, do, do you actually believe the God of the Bible? Are you going to be formed by what you feel, by what you see, your emotions, your experience, or are you going to trust God's word as if it's true? And that was the night, New Year's Eve 2016, that I was like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start to see that God wants to take my bad and use it for good. He wants to take my pain, turn it into a purpose. And when I started to get up and actually make steps to believe God and experience what his word would say about him, things started to change. But just like it was a process for me to get to that point, it was a process to get out of it. So talking about that pivot point, you started essentially fighting for your life. You're like, I am not going to let the enemy tempt me any longer, or I'm not going to give into that temptation to wallow, to turn to alcohol, to turn to whatever else yeah, it is. women, like yeah. affirmation, all that. So you drugs. started fighting back, essentially, like I— know what's true, and I'm going to take proactive steps to um, move towards God. Yeah, I came to a crossroad, me or him. Mm. Like, who's going to be Lord? Are you going to go try to figure this out and fix yourself, or are you going to let God be who he says he is? And that was the day I said, I'm going to fight. I'm going to choose God. And guys, it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, I think it's A.W. Tozer. I'm not sure. I, I probably should... Google it, but it says something along the lines of, it might be Spurgeon. I don't, actually, I don't know, but it's along the lines of before God can use a man greatly, he must wound him deeply. Wow. Yeah. And that, that pain, it, it, it forms this nearness and this perspective shift and this reality of God that like, I'm like, God did do a miracle. I prayed for a miracle that night. He didn't do it in the way I thought he should. But ever since my dad died, I have seen miracles take place. Wow. I have seen God transform my life and use that pain to set a lot of people free in Christ. And and it's just like Romans 5. It says, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Mm. Like, what does that even mean to rejoice in sufferings? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Hope. And then Hebrews 6 says we have hope as an anchor for the soul. And what I realized is when I started to choose to fight and to believe that God was who he says he was, I was like, You know what? Feelings don't define who God is. My emotions don't define who God is. My dad dying does not define who God is. God's word and and who God is. Like when I read these things and I'm like, 
if it says that I have the ability to suffering can produce character and character can produce hope, like that's all, if God can do that, yeah. What does that even mean? It's like so I had to start reading the Bible, I had to start praying, I had to start going to church, I had to start getting into around people and be like, what does this truly mean to access this kind of like rejoicing and suffering? Yeah. And what does it mean to have hope as sure as an anchor for my soul? And I have found that it's only in Jesus. Yeah. It's only in Jesus. So it sounds like there is this mindset switch in you, which praise God, I could literally sit and hear this for hours and all the ins and outs of it. Cause I know, um, I know one little podcast is, doesn't cover all of that. Um, but it sounds like there's this mindset, mindset switch where you are focusing on God and recognizing all the things of this earth are temporary and God gives and God takes away. And that doesn't mean he's less good and it hurts and the world is broken, but God is good. And, mm-hmm. and we look to eternity. Yeah. But I do want to hear, so praise God for that. I do want to hear what other people did um, through your grief. And and maybe even now you can talk about, because I know that doesn't go away, but it looks different now probably. Yep. But what are some things that other people uh, around you did that were really helpful? And what are some things that were not helpful for those listening who have friends who, who are going through something? Yeah. So what I've been trying to say without saying it, but just plainly put, is like I think a lot of times where our generation gets things wrong, it's the reason why we get a, a distorted view of who God is, is because what we do is we take God's word and we go, okay, based off of my circumstance, my experience, or what I'm feeling right now, I'm going to read scripture and interpret it by my feelings, mm-hmm. by my emotions, and then I will take the text, I will take the, the verse that I read and apply it to my feelings and my emotions. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is your emotions and feelings and circumstances are ever-changing. So therefore, God's Word can change based off of how you feel. That's not a, that's not a firm foundation to stand on. Right. There's no hope in that. And so what I had to learn to do is I had to reshift my thinking and go, no, God's Word doesn't change. Therefore, God's word is the foundation that informs my feelings, emotions, and reality and circumstances. So, oh, because here's what that looks like. Okay, because God allowed my dad to die. That must mean that God is okay with my dad dying and leaving me all alone. And then when I go and I read the scripture, I'm like, but it says right here, a faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Didn't I have enough faith? Is God not good? Did I, what's, what's wrong with me? Because I let my circumstance experience inform my scripture rather than what does this scripture actually say? Mm. And then inform that God never promises that he will save my, like let my dad live. What he does promise me is, hey, in this world, you will have suffering. Mm. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So with that, one thing that people did really well is they pointed me to God's never changing word. It's good. And so when I would come to them with my feelings and emotions, they would listen. They would let me be weak. They would let me come to them. That's another thing they did well is they created a space for me to come and be me, mm. to be broken. But then they would not just leave me there. They would say, come as you are, but we're not going to stay as you are. It's good. And they would say, so let's look at what now. Thank you. I love you. I'm with you. And so is God. Let's look at what his word. And they would point me to truth. Yeah. Not their opinion. Yeah. So many people think they have to have something profound to say. Well, when I went through that, well, when I this and when I that, it's just not helpful. That's good. So so it's been said around here before, like resist the urge to say something profound. Mm-hmm. So you're saying also that people didn't come with all the wisest words and they didn't come and just throw Bible in your face, but they listened to you first. They yeah. grieved with you. The scriptures say to mourn with those who mourn. Yeah, Romans 12. And then 
And then they also were like, but JD, I know it's best for you. And it's believing God's word. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for mourning. Um, And so just making sure that I love that even today, five or six years, five to six years later, people are still giving me that freedom. Yeah. Holidays, so hard for me every single year. Seasonal depression is a real thing. Like bad weather really impacts moods, like all those different things. And people, when they just give me a space to be broken, like I love, okay, here's a, here's a one where this really helped me. When someone goes through something really hard and then like years go by, they don't want to be, they sound crazy if they feel like they're always the person, like they're always thinking about it. It's like everything in my life reminds me of my dad, but I don't want to be that annoying guy who's always talking about his dad. And so when my friends, my loved ones give me the space, the invitation to talk about my dad, I feel so loved. Wow. When it's like, tell me your favorite story of your childhood memory with your dad, or tell me about this about him, or what was a hard thing that y'all went through? What was a lesson he taught you? And they're just giving me the space to talk about the thing that I feel crazy about because it consumes my mind at times. That's good because I I bet people can approach it and think like, man, I don't want to trigger him. I don't want to bring it up. And that's that's awesome. So we've talked a little bit about your story and what you've experienced. I know there's so much more there. Yeah, there's so Um, much more things that people could do. You know, I love that, like you said, resist the urge to say something profound. Presence is everything. Like you don't have to say anything at all sometimes. Just just be there. Just be there. Um, asking someone, do you want me to this or let me know how I can help? Not helpful. Yeah, no, 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 never. T- like know your friends. Like totally. what do they love before this thing happened to them? Just show up with it. Yeah. Like there's so much that I could go on and on and on about. But I think what I would say more than anything is despite what I thought I wanted, what I needed was friends who were willing to show up and then who knew, knew truth. Yeah. Like a lot of times I think the reason why we're so afraid to approach hard situations is because we don't know what to say. You don't have to know what you say to say. Like you have to be able to, can you, can you put your arm around them? Can you weep with them? Can you mourn with them? Can you sit with them? And then can you read the Bible? Mm. That's enough. That's really good. I know sometimes, so when even, um, and we'll move on right after this, uh, even when I've experienced loss and grief on a different level, because truly, like heartache is heartache. If you've gone through a divorce, if you've gone through a broken engagement, uh, um, um, even loss of a friend or a boyfriend or whatever. Corona was, losing your job. Yes, like loss is hard and there can be some really painful nights. I remembered one of the things that I wanted most was to hear scripture in a calming voice, which sounds kind of crazy, but to hear people read scripture, just let me sit there and lay, like, let me lay there and cry, but let me hear you read scripture. I want to wrap up with this. I really want to hear what you learned um, about how God responded to your grief. Yeah. So let me let me like flesh that out. So we've heard how like you responded to your grief, the good and the bad. We've heard how other people can respond to grief in a good way. And then like tell me what you think, what you thought God was thinking and how he actually responded to your grief. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I mentioned some of it up top. Um I thought God was like trying to teach me a lesson. I thought God was like, I'm going to do this to you despite what you want because I'm in control and you're my puppet and Mm. don't question me. Wow. And that's what I thought. 
uh, because I was like, why would God want to take away a pastor? That's like changing the world. And like, that makes no sense. And if I try to reason with God, I'm always going to end up disappointed because I am not God. Wow. Say that one more time. If I try to reason with God for my own self, like for it to make sense to me, I'm always going to end up disappointed because I'm not God. I had to come to the conclusion that God never gave me a say in what he decides to do with his creation. Mm. My dad was not mine. That job is not mine. Like everything I have is because God allowed it and he is in control. He is sovereign. And I had to start seeing myself as the creation and not the creator. Wow. And I don't get to tell the creator what he gets to do with his creation. There's a lack of reverence and in a way that we see our, ourselves in light of who God truly is as holy and just and righteous. And he cannot make a mistake. He can't. It's impossible. And so to treat him as anything, like he, he got something wrong or he missed something. It, it's just not who he is. The Bible just goes on and on about that. And so um, I had to just reframe. I think what I realized is, I had to remember, like, there is no place like heaven and being in the presence of God. It's so much better than being in the presence of man. And my dad is good. My dad is home. My dad is with Jesus. And there is no place. My motive was selfish. It wasn't for my dad to live. It was for me to have a dad. My dad is living. My dad is alive and he's in the presence of Jesus. And I would never take that from him. But in the meantime, until I'm with him, I've talked about this idea of hope. It's like, well, what are you hoping in? And I just want to finish this with Revelation 21.4, talking about the future and what we get to hope in as Christians. And it says, one day God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that's what we hope in. Like in this world, you will have suffering, but take heart. God has overcome the world. One day, Jesus is going to come and take us home. And there's going to be no more death. That thing that you think that you can't escape in Christ, you can. He's going to bring you out of it. If you need prayer, if you're going through a hard time, you can always reach out to us. If you want to share anything that's been said, if you have further questions, you can always feel free uh, to reach out to us Reach out to us at info at the porch, um, dot live, right? Um, and uh, also like on our website, theporch.live. And so, and I think you can also go to us and ask for prayer requests at theporch.live slash prayer. So we love praying for you guys. We love talking to you guys. And uh, if we can help you out in any way, let us know there. So that's all I have. Let's wrap up with just a rapid fire of scriptures that people can go to. Yes, yeah, some of them that I mentioned today, Romans 12, 15, Romans 5, 1 through 5, Hebrews 6, 19, Hebrews 4, 15, Luke 22, Ecclesiastes 3, John 16, 33, and Psalm 34, 18, and then Revelation 21, 4. I love it. So, Psalm 62, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. The Bible is full of God's love for you guys. Yes, and so that's all we have. And until next week, we'll catch you on another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.